Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Now we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, and we're going to look at another victory. So Paul has just begun to describe God has broken condemnation off you. God has given you a mind of life and peace. God is circling around you and changing everything in your circumstances. And then it lands here, and it's now posing a question to the Romans that he's writing, and he wants them to now begin to look at reality and let it change the way they look at things. And it says this, So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's now posing a question, he's stating a statement, and now he's posing a question because he's wanting the people that are reading this epistle to now have a dialogue with themselves. How do you see reality in regard to Christ dying on the cross for you? How do you understand the things that you're going through and what God is doing inside of you? Now, this is reality whether we perceive it or not, and so now Paul is having a conversation with us about do you see reality the way it is? This is the truth of it, and so we're going to work through this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us. Now what's interesting is that word is for us in the original language is actually interesting. It's a a Greek term. It's it's kind of funny the way that you would say it in English. It's the word hyper. Now that has a different connotation in our culture. You're hyper. So everyone thinks you're out of control. But in the Greek language, this word actually means... The benefits that are sitting in heaven that God has already ordained for you, God now is determined to give it to you. So it's saying a question. If God is determined to take all the benefits of why he created humanity and because of what his son has done, he's willing to give it to you. So what it's trying to do is it's now saying you have to, your mind has to come into a transformative understanding of once I meet Christ... Not only is God turning everything for good, there's this inheritance that is incrementally being released to me to do a work in my thinking and a transformation in my soul. Now, what's the work and the transformation? In Ephesians chapter 2, there's a statement that's made about a prayer where Paul says, Look, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places for one purpose. That might be your authority that you have, but the purpose is so that throughout eternity, God can demonstrate his love to you for all eternity. So that must mean that we'll never comprehend the depth of how much God loves us. So since we've met Christ, when does that revealing of the depth of love of God revealed to us. The moment we meet Christ, and from that point on, we are on this journey forever where God does this constant revealing of the love of God to us. 
And so now that means that when I walk into situations, instead of saying, I wonder how defeated I'm going to be in this situation, and I wonder how much I'm going to lose in this situation, and I wonder how much body weight I'm going to lose, and how much stress I'm going to have, God says, no, those things, without knowing Him, that's what it would do to you. But in Him, there's a place where God is determined, I'm going to convince you that I love you. So... When he's saying to this, what shall we say to these things? If God is going to convince you how much he is for you, who can be against you? Now this against is actually interesting. This is a, a phrase that talks about people or personality. So it's now equating all existence. It's taking the Lord. It's taking the devil, all angels, everything. And it's saying... In regard to the universe, if God is for you, there's no other power in the universe that can be against you. And that word against actually means a power to steal. So what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he, what he wants to do is he wants you to understand why God is doing this for you. Why is God doing this for you? He's on a journey to convince you every day that he's actually for you, determining to love you, releasing inheritance to you, so that by the end of your journey, not only are you going to say Christ's suffering on the cross was worth it, but in my own life I can say it was worth it because God has convinced me of his goodness. Now let's keep going in the passage. How is God going to show this to you? He's going to go back to the cross and he's going to have a conversation with you and he's going to talk about, you know, historically here Jesus has done this on the cross, but what was God saying about his love, not only dying on the cross for our sins, but what was he saying in relational love to you by him doing that? It says this, He who did not spare his own son. Now, the word spare is interesting here. Again, as I was looking it up, the word spare doesn't mean, well, I, you know, I have an abundance of something, I'm going to spare him. It's actually an interesting term. It's a term that's used, the way the Bible describes the Trinity's relationship is that it describes the begotten son. It actually means the one that is connected to the bosom of the father. Now, this Greek word for spare is interesting. Are you ready? For God to convince you of how much he loves you, not only did he pay for your son, he took the position that the son had, he gave him over so that he would walk on the earth and die for your sin and take your place. And that place that the son experiences, he grabs you and puts you in that place. So now you're connected to the bosom of the father just like the son is. <laughs> Well, that's a different response. <laughs> and God is trying to now work on the believer. There is not a separation between my love that I have for my son and that I have for you. You should never think that you're less than in the eyes of God. In fact, what he's actually trying to do, now think how powerful this is. For all eternity, the Trinity has been loving each other. Then God makes this creation, men and women who are made in his image, and there is no other thing that God has created that God is determined to love as much as he loves the, the Trinity. You get to enter into that, and nothing else in creation gets to experience that love, only you who are made in the image of God. This is why angels and demons marvel at you guys. How can God love this thing so much? He loves them like himself. 
Now, what is this supposed to do to you and I? It's supposed to start taking this idea, yes, man has fallen and I feel the ugliness of sin and it, it's fractured my life. And God's saying, but there's something greater here that I want you to understand. I'm not going to leave you in that state. I'm in a convincing thing to get you back to understanding. You might be in my bosom, but you don't understand it yet. So I'm going to connect the tragedy and the things you go through. And I'm going to do this convincing work because you and I are on a journey that you need to know how much my depth of love is for you. I mean, uh, we were singing a worship song the other day, and I thought, man, this is fitting. The words of the worship song was, you formed me for your own pleasure. You formed me to be loved. I am not happy unless I'm in communion with you. God has created you and I. He's actually taken the Son from the bosom, put you in that place to convince you. And then you're going, well, how does he... I mean, that sounds theoretical that God's actually saying that, but how do I see that in my everyday life? And the passage goes on and says this. He delivered him up for us all. And then he moves on. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So now he's making a statement. I have done this for you. This is the position you're in. But the only way you're going to understand it is you have to come into a position where you can't meet a need in your life so that I can convince you in that place, I love you. Here's the amazing thing about being made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God, but God has determined that we cannot be Him self-sufficient. We have to actually be dependent on Him. And so there's a paradox. We're always trying to, this is what I believe the perversion of the mind is in the believer. They know they're made in the image of God, but they want to be God instead of being in fellowship with God. And so they try to take on things and replace him. And God has determined that all those things will actually collapse in your life to convince you that you cannot be out of a loving relationship with the person who's created you. Your highest order of being created, are you ready? is to be the object of God's intentional love. Now, when you say this to a group of people, they think, well, come on, there has to be more to life than that. Well, yeah, you're living life and doing things, but the whole process of it is to swim in an ocean of God's love. Now, think about how interesting this is. You and I are born into a world that's fallen, that is, has given itself over to rebellion, that is fighting against the Lord and the Lord is saying, with all that, I can, my love is actually greater than that, and I can actually convince people in the midst of the most wicked things going on on the planet that I'm for you. That's it. I don't know if you ever sit back. Sometimes we sit back and go, yeah, I don't really like that kind of stuff. But think how powerful that is. There's the force of all this stuff that has happened to the human race, and then here's the love of God in the midst of it coming to humanity and saying, I'm greater than all of this. And I can actually do this work in you that even in the midst of what we would call a planet that is just struggling and, and going through birth pains and all this stuff, his people who know him become the object of his intention and you're really in a different culture. You're a different creation. You're on a different journey. Even though you're in the middle of this, you're on this path and you're just inviting everybody, come into this experience. And he's trying to now quantify it. So let's, let's look at it. 
How will he not, not, I'm sorry, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So now it's given a contrast. It's saying, from the statement I just said, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come into agreement that he's going to send the Son. Here he was in the bosom of the Father. He's sending the Son. That term doesn't mean anything to you. It means he's near the heartbeat, the close connection to the love of God. The Son and the Spirit and the Father have this connection to the heartbeat of love. And when he sends the Son, he's saying, this is the highest price I can pay to demonstrate love. So he's saying, all right, now here's a statement that now needs to rock your world. What is God willing to do to convince you that he's for you? He's willing to pay, and we always say this, and it's true, the highest price for something. The Son of God is the highest price of communication of the love of God. And so God is willing to pay the highest price, and now he's asking a contrast statement to you to do a work inside of you. If God is willing to pay the highest price to bring you back into relationship with him and experience his heartbeat of love, will he not come into every area of your life and freely give you everything? Now, why is he saying that? Because most people have a hard time understanding the concept of it, so God says, I'm going to do it in a practical way to convince you. Uh, one, one December... In my world, December um, is a joyous time for the church. We're celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in my world, that's the month where, as a person that travels to represent the gospel, uh, most of the stuff I'm doing is not happening. And so I have to like take a, a forced vacation, usually. And some, uh, not all of my, all the money that comes into Plumline doesn't come just by me traveling. Some of it does. But at a, this one year... Um, December was a hard month, and we were showing a deficit. So, are you guys ready? Not only could I not pay my salary, there was no Christmas or any of that other stuff. And I'm just like, how do I? And I'm, I'm in church with my wife home, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to tell her this. The pastor of the church we're going to walks up to me, and he says, Brian, um, here, and he hands me an envelope. And I go, what's this? And he goes, well... Some lady from Wisconsin called and wanted to know your address, but I didn't have it. So she said, well, can I send this to you and you give this to Brian? And he said, yeah. So I'm sitting in the chair. I'm like, I wonder what this is. I rip it open, and it's a check for $4,000. Now, you're like, well, yeah, I'd believe God loved me if he gave that to me. But there's something about needs being met by the Lord that do a work. The, the anointing of the Lord was on that. And I, and I just, I broke right there and there. When the pastor gave it to me, he's just looking at me. And I'm trying to, you know how guys are, now I'm a man. <laughs> and, I, and I started sobbing and I couldn't get control of myself. And it's not just, yeah, God met, I've seen God meet needs before. But something about that. Just that time, God shot an arrow into me. And then this conversation started happening with me. Why are you afraid of the future? Because um, I come from a family that's uh, 
come out of a lot of wealth. We actually have this deceived notion that we can take care of ourselves, and so we shouldn't ever depend on anybody. And that seeped into me as a young man. And here the Lord actually brings me into the kingdom, says, I'm not going to give you any of that. You have to learn to live by faith. And so I've had an ongoing struggle with, is God going to take care of me? I have no guarantees. And yet I actually have the greatest guarantee of the universe. And that day, I struggled with it for years. God met me, met me, met me, but the the information couldn't get across to my head. It kept happening, and I'm like, oh, at least it came that time. I wonder if it's going to happen in the next day. And God finally started dealing with me, and he said, Brian, your thoughts, you're, you're embracing the wrong thinking pattern here. You're not, you're not getting what I want to get you. And so when he sent that amount, it really wasn't, it didn't matter if it was a dollar or a million dollars. It didn't matter. It was the amount, and it carried the anointing because God's voice and his love started communicating to me. And he said, I'm going to break evil foreboding over you. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this, but mindsets have demons sometimes connected with them. Evil foreboding is projecting out into the future that there's no hope And you've got to make your effort to make things be sustained. That's a form of deception that the enemy can build a stronghold in you to make you fearful that you can somewhat trust God to be there, but you have to have a backup plan in the works. And when when that amount was sent to me, it broke it. And I started sobbing, and I realized, I'm like, Gosh, I've only been doing this for 15 years. I teach everyone else the Bible. When am I going to get it? (laughs) um, As a side note, I I don't know if you guys want to hear this, but preaching the Bible is rough. Because when you preach it, you realize sometimes some of these passages, you don't even have the breakthrough, and you have to tell everybody else about the breakthrough. And you're like, give me the breakthrough. I, I got the breakthrough. All of a sudden, this, this sewage in my heart about can I expect God's love to be consistent through time got broken in that situation. Gosh, it was so great to walk in. I'm telling you, after that, this peace came over me. And now when I have to, you guys realize I still live the same lifestyle. I have no guarantees. But I'm at peace because God's love that he's for me, has been convinced, at least in that area of my life. Every time we run into a lack, are you guys ready? You're going to think, is there something wrong with you? And I actually think there is. I start laughing at it. <laughs> Look at that. I have no ability to do this. And now why do I get so excited about it? Because God has determined he's going to convince me that he's going to do that. And so now I actually get excited like, ooh, Wow, look, there's a lack. (laughs) Now, you guys are probably sitting in your seats going, I don't know, Brian, you might need to go talk to a counselor for a while or something like that. But this this is the victory that Christ has actually done for you and I. Every area that you think, will God be there for you? God is going to let you come into that area shaking, wondering, is it going to happen? And there's a victory that's waiting for you, and it's in the love of God because, are you guys ready? When we go into eternity, we should have some grasp of the idea, God has been with me through this whole adventure. It's only going to get, ready, 
better. <laughs> How many of you, uh, it's hard to talk about last year because I think for the next five years we're just going to be talking about last year. But how many of you through last year were brought into a situation where you wondered, is God going to be here with me through this? I mean, it wasn't just you and I personally dealing with stuff. It was the nations all at the same time being rocked at the same time. And no one had an answer. And so God decided to have a God conversation with the whole entire world because of evil stuff going on the planet. Wasn't that great? Now, I don't know about you, but I found myself like in certain seasons of what I would call in the uh, I started just looking at everything going on and just a surmise, it's all going to hell and I'm going to actually be in the middle of it and it's over. Did any of you make that confession last year at all? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to admit that, Brian. While that was going on, I would literally be up at night going, I don't know, man, I don't think the future is, there's no future. This is it. And I'd have the Lord come and visit me in the middle of the night and have a conversation with me. Do you think I've abandoned you here? And then I would have an ongoing Bible study in my head. Have you guys ever had these kind of things where God points at a historical event and go, didn't I deliver my children of this and didn't I do this? And didn't Elijah have to face an army that was threatening to kill him? And his servant goes, they're going to kill us. And he goes, open his eyes. And the Lord said, see, my, our army's greater than their I mean, I, do you guys ever have these Bible studies with the Lord where you're trying to convince him? Don't you, don't you want to come into my despair and roll around with me in it? I don't know. I guess I, uh, why am I going this direction? Last year, um, so we're all going to go into eternity, but we don't know when. Last year was a fun year because everyone was being faced with the fact of life. Am I going to die? And it was talked about all day long. So isn't it great? All day long, all we talked about was death. Death, 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 death. So now... I'm in it. I'm living in the world like you guys are. And the Lord actually came to me last year and said, Hey, Brian, did you realize you're actually, death has victory over you because you're afraid of it? That was a fun conversation. I'm not even going to ask you guys if you had the same conversation. When I had that conversation with the Lord, He just showed me, Brian, I've been waiting. You have got to come to the place where you realize. I'm with you, and when your journey's done, it's not as bad as you think it is, and it really, it is going to get better. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, well, why am I so afraid of death? And he says, because you don't believe I'm going to love you even through that process. You, you, have a, you have a wrong belief system that I'm going to abandon you, and I'm not going to be with you through the process. And I'm like, oh, wow, how did I get that? This is what the scripture is trying to now address. If God is willing to do this great thing for you, how is he going to convince you that he's for you? He's going to come into every situation that there's no way you can get out of it. He's going to produce the victory, and then he's going to convince you that victory was to show you I love you. My son, I've had so many adventures with Josh, I'm telling you. One time he came up to me and he said, we're having a blizzard in Kansas City. Blizzards are different in Kansas City compared to here because we have really bad humidity, so immediately when we have a blizzard, there's this ice on everything and then snow. So it's treacherous. My son comes to me and he says, hey, Dad, my friend and I are playing Xbox and we want to have a tournament during a blizzard. Can I go over to his house? And I said, 
No. <laughs> I said, it's blizzarding out. A car can't even drive. Oh, come on. I'll drive slow and be safe and all that stuff. And, you know, after a while you get tired of it. You go, okay. So I let him go. He takes off. I, 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 my world, he's, I'm convinced that everything's okay. An hour later, I get a phone call from a policeman. Your son's been in an accident. He's not hurt, but your car's totaled. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. <laughs> so my son comes home. I, I'm not full of joy. Uh, there's, there's no happiness in me. Um, and I'm ready to go after him. Now, we're not supposed to admit this kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm angry at him because I, I had this long conversation with him. It's not safe, and he talked me into it, and I was mad at myself, and I was mad at him. So I'm going to go after him, and before he gets there, the Lord stops me, and he says, Brian, go downstairs. I want to have a conversation with you. And, and I kind of, you're not supposed to do this, but I even said to the Lord, I really don't want to do this. I'm really mad right now. <laughs> so I went downstairs. And I'm always amazed. I always think you have to be absence of emotion, but here God's talking to me while I'm really mad, and he says, Brian, I, this is, I want you to take this situation to show your son my love. He said, so when he comes in the house, do not go after him. <laughs> so he comes in the house, other times, he knows I'm going to go after him. And so he comes in the house and races to his bedroom and closes the door. And he's just sitting in there. And I'm waiting for him to come out. He comes out, and I'm just talking with him. And he's waiting for me to, because he knows sometimes I visit with him so I can set him up to have this conversation with him. And I'm just visiting with him, and I'm telling him jokes, and I'm not even talking about the accident. And at some point he said, he said do you want to talk about the accident? I said, sure, what do you want to say? And he said, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. And he's repenting and doing all this stuff. And, and I said, it's okay, Josh. And he's like, what do you mean it's okay? I said, it, it's, it's okay. Now, that's the first part of it. So he's trying to figure out, is my dad waiting a day to let me have it the next day and stuff like that? And so and I'm trying to figure out, why am I letting this go? And the Lord says this thing to me. He says, now, Brian, tomorrow, I, you know, here I am living by faith. We just talked about finances. He said, tomorrow I want you to go up to Josh and say, Josh, I'm not, this is over. Uh, this isn't held against you. I'm going to pay the full price of this. And I want to tell you, this is kind of what God's love looks like. I, I'm sitting, the Lord told me that. I thought, really? I'm going to do that? <laughs> so I walked up to Josh the next day, and he, you know, we need this car. And he's like, you know, Dad, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll give you all my paychecks from work. And I said, Josh, here's where we're at with this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to cover the cost of it. We'll talk about it if you want, but you're released from this. This will never be brought up. I'll never use this against you again. You're free. He just kind of looked at me stunned. And, and really, you guys ready? The presence of God came around him, and, and he's now having a, a mental encounter with, well, that's weird. Why would you do something like that? Why would you express love that way? Why would you let something go? And that became a demarcation point in his whole entire walk with the Lord because all of a sudden this idea that God actually loves and doesn't 
demand from his love hit him. Now, you guys ready? I'm, I'm doing this. I still don't understand it. While I watch him respond to it, it hits me. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize, well, this is actually what this looks like. I talk about it all the time, and now I actually get to see it. I actually, I don't even understand it. I'm a part of it. I'm watching it have an effect on another person. And in real flesh and blood, it's starting to come to both of us at the same time. This is what God is like when we say God is for you. He not only just doesn't do the least he can do, he does the best, and he doesn't demand or force or push or anything. He just says, my love is so stunning, it'll change you if you let it touch you. Let's finish the passage. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? That all things in the original language means everything that pertains to this earthly existence. So the first part of the passage talked about you have this inheritance in heaven waiting for you and it's incrementally given to you at strategic times to convince you how much God loves you. And now it's saying, so how do we compare this? How is your mind to begin to change and understand this? It's actually God is freely giving it to you and it's going to come into the human experience and every situation where you need God to be God, He's going to be God. Now, can you actually live in a God environment and not recognize it? Absolutely. So how do you get your head to understand this stuff? By the way, uh, let's see if Mark Bovee remembers this. Do you remember when we were teenagers and they used to start this commercial with this frying pan? And you're like, oh. And then they'd break an egg over it and go, mind is a terrible thing to waste. Do you remember that? So everyone that's young in this room is like, what are you talking about? That was like this big commercial when we were young. So you break the egg. Mine's a terrible thing to waste. It was about African-American colleges, drugs. It was just a really cool thing. And it got everybody excited about eggs. And so the, the, the idea of the commercial and the idea that we're trying to get across here is you can actually live in a world and not comprehend anything that you're experiencing because you're looking at it wrong. The children of Israel had this problem. Let's just look at it for a second. 4,500,000 people get God delivers them from oppression in Egypt. They go out into the wilderness and God constantly does one miracle after another and their commentary on it is he doesn't give us the food we like. He's brought us out here to kill us. Why can't we have burgers? And every situation that God would show that he loved and could take care of him actually miraculously they complained about it, and basically their commentary was, you don't like us. Why don't we go back to Egypt? Can you imagine? And I know you guys read the Exodus story like I do, and, and don't you ever say back to the Lord, how stupid can people be? <laughs> do you guys ever say that stuff? And the problem is, is the minute you say, how stupid are these people, you're pointing the finger back at yourself if you complain about everything that God's doing for you. Now, who, now, that wasn't nice, Brian, so let's get to the point. So, 
how did Joshua and Caleb not have that attitude, even though even Moses messed it up? So how did those two make it to the promised land? Now, this is an important question, especially with you're living in the time and space right now. This is our time where God is working with us. So how do we understand it based on these men? Last month I introduced it. I'm going to repeat it again. The only way to rewire your mind is you have to go from complaining and doubting to thankfulness. You have to cultivate a heart of thankfulness. Why? Because the minute your heart becomes thankful, you're aligning properly with heaven, and the atmosphere of heaven is nurturing you properly, and all of a sudden you're, in a sense, rewiring your mind to see reality the way it is, and thankfulness lifts you into the state of eternal life where you actually overcome all of this because eternal life is being sustained by the love of God. Yeah, but Brian, things are hard, and, and I'm not thankful for things being broken and destroyed in my life. Well, I'm in the same boat you guys are. How do you thank God when everything's falling apart? You ever tried that? I've had two great joys in my life. One, uh, and they both revolve around the IRS. Because you guys know how well our government does things. I, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's exhausting. I'm just going to highlight it. Uh, the IRS calls me right after I incorporated Plumline and said, you did this thing wrong. And I said, no, I didn't. I did what you guys told me. No, you did it wrong. And for the next five years, they fought me every month on this issue and, and said, we're going to penalize you. You're not listening to us. And I even had one guy get on the phone, start laughing and mocking me on how stupid I was. It's like I was talking to a demon. I'm like, is the IRS the dominion of the Antichrist? <laughs> I should, you're not supposed to respond to that. That was just a statement, okay? Don't forget, we're being videotaped. <laughs> so I'm going through that whole thing, and I'm asking God to deliver me. Help me, God! I mean, I, I exhausted every... When the, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. When the federal government that you give money to say they're going to come against you, they have unlimited resources to decimate you. And they were threatening me with unlimited resources to decimate me. It was all kinds of fun. And I would go on the road and watch God heal people, deliver people, bring people to salvation. And after every meeting, I'd try to sneak into the anointing and go, Would you please deliver me from the IRS? <laughs> Uh, I had no joy. I wasn't thankful for anything that was going on. I was mad for five years. What a great experience. <laughs> Finally, the Lord says to me, he just visits me while I'm driving by the Mississippi River going into Wisconsin, and he says, by next week, this will be over. And I actually didn't believe him. I thought, where have you been the last five years? <laughs> Isn't this great? Okay. Does that sound like the children of Israel in Egypt? By the way, God was taking care of me, still being faithful to me, do all this other stuff, but there was this one thing, and the Lord wasn't doing it the way I thought he should do it in my timing, and so I'm not, I'm not getting it. He delivered, in one week it was over. I, in fact, it was so stunning how God did it. You guys don't want to know how I responded? Why did it take so long? 
I lived in so much stress for five years. I mean, I used to wake up in panics at night trying to figure out if I'm going to be arrested the next day. Right, so that, isn't, that a great, isn't this a great victorious testimony? So seven years later, I'm living my life, living free and happy, and the IRS comes after me again by something they did wrong. Isn't that great? Okay, all the stress that I had for those five years here, it's coming back again. And it got so bad, I'm actually looking at where the federal prisons are close to me, wondering, I wonder if that's where they're going to send me. And I'm trying to see how the facilities are set up. <laughs> so I'm telling you all this. You guys understand. Here is what the scripture says. In my experience, it doesn't seem like any of that's there. And, I, and I, this, this time I said, I can't live this way again. I've got to break free from this. And, and so, do you guys do what I do? I tried everything I knew how to do. I poured more oil over my body and my house. I mean, you can still smell the oil in my house from all the oil I've poured over everything. I, I, I prayed so much in tongues, my tongue hurt. I drove out every demon that was ever created from every human being. <laughs> I had everyone pray for me. And, and I'm like, gosh, I am just not getting any relief from this. So I'm trying to find out another spiritual warfare video or something like that to watch. And I catch this thing on YouTube where it says, cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness. And I thought, well, that's stupid. <laughs> but I thought, well, in between my stress and my panic attacks, I'll just hit on it. So this person's asking a question. He says, hey, if God turns everything towards good, if that's actually the way the universe really is, you would actually be thankful for even the difficult things you're in because you're, the breakthrough is right around the corner. And you guys are like I am. I mean, we don't act like this in church. We'd say, oh, yeah, I believe that. But in reality, I just thought, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so I just ignored that, and I, I decided to do, I had this uh, path that I walk in my backyard. It's by my wife's garden. It's my whining and complaining and full of doubt path. And so I walk back and forth trying to get a breakthrough, and I'm walking back and forth, and I'm just stressed out. And, and I just thought, you know, I've tried everything else. I've, I've gone after Satan himself, I don't know how many times, and, and I go, it's just not working. I'm not getting any breakthrough. So, you guys ready? Isn't this fun to be brought to the end of yourself? I said, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just try to be thankful. Now, how do you be thankful for evil? Gosh, I love evil. Send it to me, Lord. <laughs> so that's not what you're thankful for. So I thought, well, I'm not going to thank him for that. Who, you know, God's not in love with evil, so why would I thank him for it? So I, I, I thought about it for a minute, and I said, okay, Lord, I thank you that you consider me worthy to go through this. And I thought, that'll have no impact. At least I tried it, and I didn't go back to spiritual warfare. The minute I said it, it was like, you, you know when people are about to die, they take those paddles and they just kind of, poof, hit you? I'm sitting there saying, God, I'm thankful you that you've created me. I don't even believe it as I'm saying it. I thank you that you've considered me worthy to go through this. And a shock wave of relief came into my soul. I was like, wow, something broke. That's weird. So I tried it again. God, I'm thankful that in eternity past you thought this would be a good way of making me grow. And another shockwave of hope came into my heart. And all of a sudden, 
life starts, and now I'm walking it, and I'm coming into a reality, and I'm like, wait a minute, this actually is real. He, I'm not delivered from this situation, but I'm overcoming it right now. And, as I, and now I'm starting to pick things. I'm grateful for my wife's garden that I have to tend when I don't like it. And I'm grateful for that weed over there. And I'm starting to change the way I'm looking at reality. And each one of them is like I'm taking a stair step into the love of God. And all of a sudden, my soul, by the end of it, is completely delivered out of the situation... And now I'm having a glory walk, even though I still have the IRS threatening me with a full vengeance. Isn't technology great? I was making some radical statement on the way up here with John and Lee, and Siri answered back to me. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I got, I got done, and... I, I went, wow, it's such a simple principle. Why didn't I get this before? Now, think about this with me just for a minute. The reason why Jesus teaches simple things isn't because we're dumb. It's because they work. I think going to Bible college messed me up for life. Because <laughs> when the Bible says, be thankful... I can't take God at his word. I have to go study the Greek and Hebrew for five years, write three dissertations, and then at the end of it say, maybe I ought to be thankful. <laughs> Guys, a simple key will help you tap into reality here. Practice it. Enjoy it. God's given it to you. It's your victory. He wants you to see it. He doesn't want you to, at the end, can you imagine all of us, let's do this and we'll finish. Can you imagine at the end of your existence, you're standing before the, the throne of the Lord. It's not a judgment time, but you and God look at your history and he said, oh, look how I revealed my love to you there. And you look at the scene and you go, that's not what I got out of that. <laughs> I, just, I lost all kinds of weight. Where were you? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys. I already have 20 years of that that I have to do a review. However long I have, I don't want to keep having the same review. Oh, look, Brian, I did that for you. I didn't see that. Oh, look, I did that. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> I mean, I really don't want to say that when I get to heaven. Well, I just missed the whole thing. I and I don't want to turn to the Lord and go, really, what was I doing on the planet? <laughs> so you guys ready? To fine-tune yourself to reality, become thankful. You know, did you know, um, physiologically, it actually rewires your brains properly. It always takes man 5,000 years to figure out some simple thing that God has given us that actually will bless you. But if you become thankful, even in hard places, it relieves your soul. You begin to breathe proper oxygen of heaven. And all of a sudden, the things that should have easily defeated you, you become an overcomer. Hey, would you guys do something with me? Close your eyes just for a moment. And thank God for something hard in your life. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness, your presence, and that you're for us. Thank you for this life, all of it. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, 
feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.